Hallie Bayer is founder and owner of Thrive Pilates Studio in Philadelphia. She is a Lululemon ambassador, a board member of the School Mindfulness Project, a big sister at Independence Biggs, wife to her husband, Nick, and mom to her little boy, Luke. To say she has a lot going on is an understatement. But this generous and kind soul also has so much inspiration to offer us as I sat down to talk to her about all the amazing and inspiring work she's doing. Let's take a listen. So hi, Hallie. Thank you so much for being with us today. How are you? I'm doing great, Christy. I'm excited to chat with you. Great. Me too. Thanks for being here. So in my research prior to our interview, I must say I was super impressed with all that I learned about you, all the incredible projects that you do. And I want to make sure we touch on all of that in our conversation today. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to your passion for health and well-being? Sure. Things that I do. Um, a mom. I have a five-year-old son named Luke. And my husband, Nick, and I have been married for 10 years, together for 20. Um, we met in college. And I started my business, Thrive Pilates, 10 years ago. And um, I teach and I love Pilates and I'm super passionate about health and wellness and fitness. And I love to practice yoga. I love music. I love dancing. I'm on the board of the School Mindfulness Project and I'm a big sister and Big Brothers Big Sisters program. And I'm a Lululemon ambassador. So those are like, you know, resume items, I guess you could say. Right, right. And that's <laughs> but, a great introduction to, um, you know, also your, your Thrive Pilates studio is, and you've been, have you been doing Pilates since college? Has that been a passion of yours since then? So I did yoga in college. Yoga was actually, I was in a dance program in college and as part of the program, we had to practice yoga. And I kid you not, I would, and I was a really good student. I would go to that class, sign my name and leave. I was, I did not like yoga when I was in college. I just, I wasn't ready for it. I don't think I had the patience. Um, also doing yoga with a group of Ivy League dancers is not the best way to dive into a yoga practice because everyone's like uber competitive, like who can hold this <laughs> challenging position the longest? Um, I bet. So it, it was very different than my yoga practice today. I don't know when the tides turned and I began to love and not be able to live without yoga. It was not too long after that. Um, but yeah, I started practicing yoga, I guess, when I was in college and then eventually loved it, even though my initial feelings were not such. <laughs> um, I started doing Pilates after I graduated college. And during the first, the very first class I took, I looked, I had a moment where I looked up at the teacher and I had this epiphany where I thought to myself, I could see myself doing that one day. And that was just a moment and that passed. And then it wasn't until years later that I started to do my Pilates training, but I definitely had this like idea in my head and I, it, it must've been like a, 
you know, foreshadowing something coming in the future. But it's like a seed had been planted. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It just so I grew up dancing and was always interested in like movement. And when I did Pilates, it just it just felt like wow, this is something I've never felt in my body before. I've never stretched in this way. I've never used these muscles before. I've never felt so aligned and balanced and like everything is where it's supposed to be and everything's moving in the way it should be moving. And it really was at that moment, such a groundbreaking thing for me. And still to this day, I I feel so profoundly passionate about the practice and what it does for me and what it does for my students. I mean, I, I have, I literally last week I went from my morning of clients was my first client was a professional athlete. My second client was a middle-aged mom. And my third client was an 85 year old woman who just had a knee replacement. So I, it's the practice is literally for everybody and it can change your life in so many amazing ways. I see people who were struggling with walking or wanted to like athletes who want to hone in on their practice. It's, it really is amazing. Um, It's so cool that you get to see this wide range of people benefit from it. Oh, I love it. That you get to see that firsthand. That's probably really uh, special for you. It is. It's so rewarding. It really is. So in your Pilates studio, what's your overall goal for, you know, people who visit? What What's the experience that you want them to have when they're at your studio? I want new students to feel when they walk through the doors. I want them to feel supported and comfortable and at ease because I feel as if anything new, any new movement practice, anytime you're moving your body really can be so, you can feel so vulnerable and so intimidated. And a lot of people don't feel comfortable in their own skin or don't feel comfortable moving in front of other people and they're scared. And I want those people to know that we're here to make you feel comfortable, to make you feel confident, to make you feel like you know your body and you can control your body and move it in a way that feels good and just sort of set them at ease. So so new students, like the primary thing is like being warm and welcoming and supportive. And then as we get to know our students, they become a part of our family. We're nurturing their growth. We're pushing them out of their comfort zone so they can learn and grow and get stronger and more flexible and more balanced. And, and then we, I ultimately want people to have this feeling of they sign up for a class and they know like, Oh, I'm so excited. I'm going to be at thrive later today. They arrive and they feel that I'm here. I feel so happy and excited right now. And while they're moving, their body feels great. And when they leave, they feel so amazing that 
everyone who they see after they leave, whether it's a stranger across the street, their dog when they get home or their kids or whoever is impacted because they're bringing this positive energy with them from the studio. It's like a ripple effect that is not just staying in the studio, but leaving and into the community. You're basically offering people a space to be vulnerable and not even just offering the space, but helping to nurture them through that. Because I would say from experience too, I actually went through a teacher training program for yoga myself years ago um, and loved it. I don't actually teach now. (laughs) Um, Life has taken me in other directions, but uh, in the beginning, it was really scary. And you just, you compare yourself to everybody and you feel, you just feel kind of silly at first um, and scared. And I just think that's so cool that you're giving people, that that's a mission of yours is to, to offer people the space, but then to help nurture them through that. And then to help create this ripple effect when people leave. I think that's beautiful. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about mindfulness because a concentration on mindfulness in the mainstream society and also now in corporate settings uh, today, is really on the rise. And I know that mindfulness is a core part of the work that you do. Can you speak to the importance um, for you personally that you think of cultivating mindfulness in today's world? Sure. I think that mindfulness has always been important, but Specifically now, we have distractions at the tips of our fingers with our phones. Um, And, you know, that phone has so many bright, shiny buttons on it that are like, you know, you see your kids too. Like they're just, we're just, our brains are like wired. Like we see this and we get sucked into the vacuum of our phones and you could be there for hours and you don't even realize it's the opposite of being mindful. So for sure, now we need it, I guess, more than ever, because the more distractions we have, the farther we are away from really connecting with our authentic selves. And so the definition that I've heard of enlightenment is like stripping away the layers and connecting to your authentic self. And you can't do that if you're constantly distracting yourself with things like the apps on your phone or what's on TV and the constant news stream like coming at you or your Instagram feed. We have to learn that that's okay in small doses. Like I'm not a saint. I love scrolling my Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) But I do prioritize my moments of mindfulness. Every morning I roll out my yoga mat and I do uh, like 15 to 20 minute like mindful movement. I'm stretching my body. And while I do that, I set intentions for the day. So I don't say out loud, but in my head, I say, I am healthy. I'm strong. I am free. I am passionate. I'm inspired. I'm inspiring. I have this whole list of things that I say, like these intentions that are important to me that I cultivate on a daily basis. And I really don't ever start my day without that. And I, even if it means I have to like wake up earlier or 
sometimes my five-year-old son, Luke, is like jumping on top of me while I do it. And then I have to really be mindful and be like, okay, I'm still here. (laughs) Just takes a little extra work in those moments. And then every night I like, I close out my day. I listen to a guided meditation and I get distracted during that too. I mean, my mind wanders. That's part of it. But I'm committed to the discipline of it, of taking that time every single day. And I think carving out that time, whether it's for 20 minutes or it's for five minutes, is really important. Um, It's helped me, you know, all the things that you hear about meditation, like staying calm, happy, peaceful, sleeping better. It's for sure helped me with those things. Um, But I think it's also opened up like some space in my mind for creativity and helped me to connect to who I am. And, you know, I sort of avoided your question earlier um, by listing all of the things that I do. But I think through meditation, I've learned that the way I perceive myself is I'm a sensitive, compassionate, disciplined, hardworking, loving person. And I need to connect to all of those things on a daily basis um, so that I can like really feel authentic and good in my own skin. That's awesome. I think that's such great tools that you just offered, you know, just in sharing what you do on a daily basis, because like you said, we get so distracted. I mean, we're more distracted now than ever. And Oftentimes people know that they're distracted and that they're maybe absorbing too much of the interaction with the social media or the apps on their phone, but don't know how to unplug necessarily or carve that time out. And I think you just gave us some great examples. And as you said, the point being so that you can reconnect to yourself and reconnect to all of those things within yourself that are important to you to uh, nurture and grow and make the the difference that you want to make in the world. If you don't take the time to take care of yourself, uh, you won't have the space to to pay attention to those things and to to grow them. I mean, I feel like so the reason why one of the reasons why we're so attracted to these distractions is because they take us away from like dealing with who we really are. And like the more we suppress that and avoid it, the worse it's going to become and it's going to manifest in some way, whether it's like depression or like a rash on our skin, like there's illness of some sort. Yeah. I mean, I've, I used to do health coaching, holistic health coaching, and I've worked with a lot of clients who like something emotional manifested in something physical. And I've personally gone through something like that myself. And I think that's, that's one of the other reasons why I'm so passionate about mindfulness and health and wellness is because of my personal experiences and illness and recovery and all that. And I think that that's, that offers such a great teaching tool for you is that you've been through these things and you've seen the benefits. I know as you were saying it, um, I could relate to the fact or connect to the idea of it's difficult to look at ourselves honestly. And that's why a lot of times we avoid it 
And it's not that it's easy to look at yourself and, um, you know, it's challenging, but the rewards, the, the personal benefits that you reap when you do do the work and you do pay attention to, you know, a little more inward as opposed to outward, um, it's worth it, don't you think? Absolutely. I, I think the scariest things are the things that we avoid doing. Like you, when you're afraid of something, you're, you're afraid of like something in the future something that you haven't done yet. But once you do that thing or face it, you realize it's not that scary anymore. So it's like, we're so afraid of connecting with ourselves and, seeing ourselves for who we really are because we're afraid of what others might think or we're going to disappoint somebody or disappoint ourselves or we're not living up to the standards that we set. But when we actually like face that, we realize like, it's okay. Like (laughs) it's actually, it's all right. What we were so afraid of facing once we face it, it's done. Right. And you grow from there. And I think if we, if we're not willing to look at those things and challenge ourselves in the face of our fears, then we, we don't grow in the way that we deserve to, you know, the way that we deserve to explore our life and learn new things about ourselves. I also think that we connect, or I personally, I have found that in connecting more to myself and nurturing myself and taking care of myself, I'm more easily, I can connect with other people. Absolutely. Well, sometimes too, you, you reveal something hidden about yourself and you're like the person in front of you is like, Oh, I, I feel the same way. Actually. I didn't know that you felt that way. or I didn't know anyone else felt that way. And then you both feel this sense of relief. Like, oh, we're not alone. I'm not like, alone. Right. Hey, and just then you're, you're giving them the opportunity to get it off their chest too. And while we're talking about mindfulness, um, I did want to get on to, uh, or speak about how you're a board member for the School Mindfulness Project. And their mission statement is to provide students and teachers in Philadelphia's underserved schools with greater physical and emotional well-being for behavioral and academic success. And I read that and I was like, I love this. I really want to talk about this because I love this concept and this mission because personally, I've been doing a lot of research myself um, in the past few years, as I've learned just how powerful and important teaching mindfulness to kids can be when they're young, because it really can set them up for, you know, with an invaluable tool set to manage their emotions and reactions to life as it evolves and challenges them as they get older. And being a mom of three young children myself, I'm really interested in learning more about this. So can you tell us about your own experience uh, with mindfulness in terms of mindfulness with children and how you came to be involved in this awesome project? Sure. Um, so we touched on a lot of my experience with mindfulness. And I I guess what I would say, in addition to what we've already talked about, is I, I just, I know how big of an impact it has had for me. And I didn't come to meditation until maybe my, I think it was my mid twenties. And it was at a point where I was so sick that I literally, all I could do was meditate because I couldn't get out of my bed. Um, so I was kind of forced into it because I had avoided it for so long. And then 
finally this mentor I was working with was like, okay, well, here you go. That's all you can do now. So now's a good time to start. Um, but I wish I had learned it at a younger age. Maybe if I had learned it at a younger age, I wouldn't have gotten so sick. I wouldn't have, you know, had to go through some of the things that I had to go through. Um, and for that reason, I want to teach children about mindfulness and meditation. I don't, I want them to have the tools to deal with stress, to go through their lives in a more present way um, and deal with things in the moment, not suppress things, um, to, to literally be more mindful. And I think when you learn something at a young age, like anything, like a, a new language or a new skill, the younger you learn, the more ingrained it is in your life and the easier it is to access and pull from when you need it. So building those habits early is crucial. It's, it can be so useful. And I think especially bringing it to children in underserved areas where there might be more stress, I think it feels like a really important mission to me and makes me feel really proud to serve on the board of the school mindfulness project. That's awesome. And you should be proud because I think that you're doing something that I know is, is fairly new, right? Bringing mindfulness to, to children in this way, especially in these underserved areas. And uh, I agree. I was, as you were saying that thinking, you know, as I've gone on my own mindfulness journey, I I often think I wish that I had had this. I wish that I had underst- understood it when I was younger. Um, my mom had introduced me to mindfulness and meditation at a young age, but I I don't think I really got on board with it um, soon enough, really. But so many of us just didn't have the tools when we were younger. We weren't offered the information to, um, and I, and I think that I tapped into the experience a lot sooner than my peers because my mom had planted that seed. You know, towards the end of high school, I started meditating. And um, I think it really helped me through some of those years where it's just life is tricky and confusing. And um, like you said, especially for these children in the uh, underserved areas, there's there's a much higher level of stress that they're facing. And now you're giving them some some tools, some options on how to mentally navigate what they're dealing with. I think that's so important what you're doing. And I think it's so cool that you're a part of this project. And you're also part of um, another nonprofit, which offers one-to-one youth mentoring here in Philadelphia. Can you tell us about that? Absolutely. Big Brothers Big Sisters is an amazing organization. Um, it's a larger organization. It's on the national level. Um, there's a local region called Independence Region that we're a part of here. I became involved, I would say, unofficially in about 2007. My husband, Nick, became a big brother here in Philadelphia to um, a young boy. And we became quickly, you know, he started calling me sister. So he became my little brother as well. It's 12 years later. He still comes over for dinner once a month. We talk on the phone, we text. 
Um, I love him. He's a part of our family. Yeah, that experience for us has just been, I mean, he's added so much to our lives. And I feel like we've been able to be a really positive influence for him. And I love him. It's just, it's, it's really rewarding to build this relationship with someone who you otherwise would never have met, who comes from a different walk of life and you get to expose them to different things. Um, so that's been amazing. And then more recently, I'll actually give a quick anecdote because I feel like this is a, a good story for your listeners. Yeah, for sure. Please. So when Luke was about two years old, I was feeling like I was watching Nick do serve on all these boards and do so much for the community. And I felt like partially jealous and also partially like bad about myself. Like, like I should be doing something like I, I can't like not do anything. Like, and I said to him, I was like, Nick, I, I really want to give back to the community, but I'm so busy. Like I have Luke is just two years old and I have my business and I just don't have time. And he looks at me with a straight face and he goes, if you want to make a difference, you have to make the time. And it was like, mic drop. Wow. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> he was dead on so right. And I think it's like that with anything in life, like meditation, like you, people say you don't have time. Like you have time for whatever you want to make time for really. Like if you're, if it's important to you, you'll make the time for it. So from like literally that afternoon, I sent an email to big brothers, big sisters saying I want to volunteer. And I got matched with my little sister who, um, is now a senior in high school. So I've known her since she was a freshman. And, um, it's been an amazing experience so far. And she's gone through a lot. She literally crossed the border from Mexico when she was eight years old with her family. And um, her family was dealing with, you know, court stuff and on, on top of being a high school student. <laughs> um, so, you know, teenage stress is Enough by itself. <laughs> and then she has to deal with all of this, like her parents going to court to figure out if they could stay in the country and um, going to meetings for her little sisters to speak on behalf of her parents because their English isn't great. And I mean, just she's an unbelievable kid. And I, I feel privileged to know her and to be able to help her navigate through some of this stress and Actually, mindfulness has been a big topic for us and, you know, helping her get through her exams and dealing with the stuff with her family. She's, she's really like taken to it. And I, I think it's been helpful for her. Um, That's so wonderful that you, I'm so grateful that you gave that example because just as I was saying earlier, it really, oftentimes people think that it's too much to take on to do something that makes a difference. But really, if your your heart is calling you to it in any way, um, just as your husband said, you know, you can make the time for it. And I'm sure you can speak to how much you've benefited from personally just in doing this philanthropic work and how 
you know, doing good for other people has nurtured you as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I can't imagine my life without it, to be honest. And I, I think everyone could and should be doing something big or small. Um, like I said, I, I think there's always room for it. Right. And as you said, it's just a matter of making a commitment to do it. And, and just like your mindfulness practice and meditation as well, that it's just a matter of carving out whatever time you can, making the time and then committing to doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. And so in this Be the Good conversation that I'm having here, this ongoing conversation, the main theme of our conversations is about compassion and how together our small acts of kindness can shift the world for the better, which really is exactly what we were just talking about. And so I'd like to ask my guests, what does compassion mean to you personally? So this answer might be different from what some of your guests have I want it to be. I want it to be whatever (laughs) compassion means to you for sure. So I don't know if you've heard of the highly sensitive person. Um, So there's a a book and a a website and all this um, stuff behind it. But I'm what you would call a highly sensitive person. Um, And that can mean a lot of things. But one of the things it means is that I... um, I sort of pick up on other people's energy, whether I like to or not. So somebody can walk into the room and be in a great mood and I feed off that. Um, Or somebody can come in and be really sad and I might not even see that person. I might have my back turned towards them, but I can literally like feel it deep down in my bones. And I'm like, why am I sad all of a sudden? Like, I don't know why I feel so sad. And then I turn around, I see this person who's sad and I'm like, okay, that's, I'm like literally having the feeling for this person. It sounds a little woo woo. (laughs) It doesn't because I I don't mean to cut you off, but this is like, I have the chills right now because this is actually like the second time I've had this conversation on Be The Good. I spoke to somebody else and she was describing the exact same thing. And I said, I am that way. And I've up until now have never really heard somebody else articulate it. Uh, but I completely 100% agree with what you're saying. And it took me a long time to figure out that that was actually happening. I don't know if that was the case yeah. for you, but I was like, why do, you know, like you said, someone can walk into the room and they're in a bad mood or, you know, they just kind of bring this negative energy with them. And I, all of a sudden, I'm like, it just sucks the life out of me. Yeah. I mean, I have trouble, you know, I live in center city and sometimes it's hard for me to like, you know, I walk past a lot of homeless people or, um, it, it's hard. Cause I like, it's not that I'm intellectually processing like, Oh, this is a sad situation. It's like a gut feeling like down to my bones that yeah, I'm like it's more of a feeling. It's like, it's visceral. And I, um, so identifying, like hearing that there are a lot of people out there like me who go through this, was helpful in knowing like, A, I'm not alone and B, there are things I could do about it. Like this is a, another funny example. I, I won't go into a shopping mall. I literally cannot go into a mall because there's like, there's so many people 
in an enclosed space. And it's too and much energy all at once. Not claustrophobia. It's just, it's like the energy. I When I was a kid, my mom would take me shopping and I would, the first store we would go to, I, the first thing I would look for was a bench to sit down on because I, I was a kid and I felt tired. I was like a very energetic, healthy, young kid. And I, I would literally sit down because I felt this exhaustion. Um, So it was like overwhelming for you kind of emotionally. Yeah. So I encourage those, your, your listeners who, who are hearing this, that might relate to that, to look up the highly sensitive person and, and see, there's a quiz you could take to see if you fit the criteria. Um, and there are tools that they give you of managing it. But I, I've really had to like almost rein in my compassion um, because I am such a compassionate person. And it certainly like makes me who I am and has served me really well for the most part. Um, but it's also something I've had to mitigate a little bit and um, and work on putting up some boundaries because... I can be a little bit too sensitive. I totally, I, it's just, it's amazing to me that I'm having this conversation with you because I totally <laughs> can relate and I'm going to check that out as soon as we're done talking. Okay, good. <laughs> but I think that, I don't know if you'll agree, but it sounds like it's similar to what you're saying is that I have found, I say now, I think compassion is my superpower, mm. but it has a positive and a negative because of exactly what we were just talking about. You know, I can be so open um, to it, it basically that openness and that, ener- you know, the fact that everybody's energy affects us, it's what allows me to help other people. That mm-hmm. sense of compassion is what's helped me really connect with people and, and help people through the work that I'm doing. But for instance, like when I'm interviewing patients, um, for the projects that we do in Project Scleroderma, it, that can be, re- that has been very challenging for me for many reasons, you know, one being that I lost my mom to the disease. So to kind of rehash that every time is, can be difficult. But what I have found most difficult is just listening to, you know, the challenges that these people face. I mean, this can be a really debilitating disease and it can completely change people's lives. Um, And sometimes after the interviews, I'm like, okay, so now what do I do with this energy? Because (laughs) I went there with them, you know, and I felt everything they were telling me, but being doing that allowed them to really, um, you know, open up and be vulnerable and share everything that they wanted to share about their story. But my point being that sometimes, you know, that compassionate nature can sometimes be challenging to navigate just like you were explaining, but I'm glad to know there's something out there <laughs> that can help us through it. <laughs> because I think, you know, it's like a, you don't want to shut off that side of yourself that is so compassionate because it's what allows you to connect to all this good work that you're doing. That's what allows you to move from inspiration to action, right? Yeah, absolutely. But you wouldn't be right. able to do that if you completely shut it out. <laughs> so thank you for sharing that with us. And thank you for sharing everything you did about your, you know, your journey and your experience and now all the good work that you're doing. And we will for sure send people your way that are local in the Philly area uh, to your Pilates studio. It's called Thrive Pilates, correct? Yes. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. So Thrive Pilates, we can check that out. But also for the listeners who want to support these incredible causes that you're a part of, can you tell us where they can find links to help support those organizations? Sure. So uh, schoolmindfulnessproject.org. Um, there are links on there for donations um, and how to get involved. You can learn more about the organization on the website. And um, for Big Brothers Big Sisters, um, if you look up um, independencebigs.org, that's this local region. Um, You can also learn about what we're doing with Big Brothers Big Sisters. You can sign up to be a big brother or sister, make a donation, get involved in an event. There are lots of options. That's awesome. That's awesome. And And I will, I'll add all this information into the episode too, so that, um, you know, there'll be links attached, but I really just want to thank you for, you know, being here with us today and sharing all of the wonderful things you shared with us. We really appreciate it. It's my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode of the Be The Good podcast, please like, comment, and share. You can find more episodes on Apple Podcasts or your favorite Google Play app. And be sure to follow me on Instagram for daily inspiration at b.thegood. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember that we can all find our own way to be the good.